0: Welcome to the Spectral Phenomena Podcast, your source for all things offbeat, strange, unexplained, and paranormal. Here are your hosts, Ken Sanner and Mustafa Siddique. My cabin deep in the woods of Central Maryland, sort of. We're not there today, but we're nearby. Today we're going to do something a little bit different and i think it's going to be good so i'm going to read moose a quote from a book and we're just going to see where that leads us now moose you have never read anything by charles fort have you i didn't know who that is okay so this is not a charles fort episode but i've been reading some of his stuff i've read two of his books book of the damned and new lands and charles fort is kind of like the grandfather of the paranormal in the united states okay. like he was a paranormal researcher in the late 18 early 1900s so this book in particular was written in 1923 so just about 100 years ago now give or take a couple months he wrote about a, a, a lot of stuff in particular he he talks about you know like weird stuff falling from the sky is a big thing weird noises in the sky he also talks about weird things moving in the sky now in you know 1890 through 1923 they didn't have the term ufo Mm -hmm. but uh, one of the things he talked about is astronomers seeing strange lights in the sky moving around dark objects moving across the moon bright dark objects moving across the sun okay you know stuff like that so kind of kind of like ufos before we knew what ufos were essentially he also talks about airships and about Apparitions and you know basically anything that's paranormal. Sure, the guy talked about so okay. just uh just to kind of set Charles the tone Fort, there. Charles Fort, Charles okay. Hoy Fort, and actually it's kind of funny uh, that we're talking because I've been planning on talking about this since I finished this book, and actually Fort was on my list of people I wanted to talk about uh, when we made that spreadsheet of. People we want to talk about, or things we want to talk about for the topic, and then today, astonishing legends. If you know that podcast, dropped a uh, first part of a multi-part series on Charles Ford. Oh, interesting. So, what's his background? That is a really just good Googled question. Him. Yeah, he. I don't know anything about him other than his research he did on this topic. I don't. I oh, think he was term, essentially an uh, an investigative journalist. Yeah, the term Fordian.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm just uh, I'm just gonna read Wikipedia. Charles Hoy Fort uh, was an American writer and researcher who specialized in anomalous phenomena. The terms Fordian and Fortinia, Fortin, Fortina, are sometimes used to characterize various such for phenomena. Fort's books sold well and are still in print. His work continues to inspire admirers. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool.
0: Yeah. So. Interesting guy, mm-hmm. uh, had a big impact on on paranormal stuff. So this quote I'm going to read you. I think it's very ahead of its time. Okay, uh, again, consider it's 100 years old. Okay, before the term UFO. Okay, um, before people like Jacques Vallee or any of the people that we we think about now being big into connecting different aspects of the paranormal and the UFO community and stuff like that. Sure. So this this is what he says. Someday I shall publish data that led me to suspect that many appearances on this earth were that were once upon a time interp- interpreted by theologians and demonologists but are now supposed to be the subject matter of psychic research were beings and objects that have visited this earth not from spiritual existence but from outer space. Whoa. And this is... What year uh, was that? Page 63 of New Lands. This was 1923. Whoa. I just I, that quote really struck me yeah. when I when I read that, you know, I was like, that's really ahead of its time. It sounds like something Jacques Vallée would say. I don't know if you're familiar with him at yeah. all.
1: Yeah. What um, was uh do you know like the reaction
0: at the times of what I don't know what the – certainly not to that specific quote. I don't know in general how Fort was received during his time. I mean, this is not far removed from, like, the time of the spiritualism movement and from the airship craze of the 1890s. Mm -hmm. So I know we think of this as a very, I guess, religious and strict time compared to now. But these ideas were not out there. You know, you had the idea of – psychics and stuff um as popular so
1: what was the spaceship thing of 1890
0: the airship (laughs) thing of the 1890s um basically there were multiple reports of large mechanical airships that were flying across the united states like i'm trying to think of the word they used uh i can't think of it but i mean basically what you would think of like something out of like steampunk like mm. that's what people were reporting to have seen.
1: So and were there hot air balloons at the time?
0: There were. And they so they knew the
1: difference. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah, and some of them uh actually were accompanied by beings. Now they were very human like, mm-hmm. but there were in some cases reports of beings with them.
1: Interesting. So I'd love to learn, I mean I know this the episode isn't about him. But uh, I would, and like, I'm just like going through his, uh, like, just his Wikipedia page. And uh, yeah, I would love to see, like, what the, like, the, I guess the backlash, maybe for lack of a better term. I'm just yeah. gonna read this thing off of Wikipedia. So under scholarly evaluation, it says uh, evaluation. Uh, it says religious scholars, scholars such as Jeffrey Cripple and Joseph P. Laycock, view Fort as a pioneering theorist who helped define paranormal as a discursive category and provided uh, provided insight into its importance in human experience. Consistently critical of how science studied abnormal phenomena in his day, Fort remained a point of reference to it for those who engage in such studies today. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? It's interesting.
0: Yeah. um, Trailblazer, right? Yeah, definitely trailblazer. You know, actually, you know, my thought is I think there's always been an interesting relationship between establishment religion and the paranormal. Okay. I think that's where my brain really goes. And I know that's not a direct answer to what you just read. Sure. But there's almost a love-hate relationship with it. You know, it's like when the paranormal provides evidence for – Establishment religion, you know, theology embraces it. Mm -hmm. And when the paranormal is anything else, in a way, the establishment still embraces it, but they label it evil or demonic. Sure. Or impossible. Or they may just reject it outright. Sure. I guess in some cases. And it's really every – I'm sure every religion interprets everything differently. I mean, I know that. I've taken comparative religion classes. But it, it's interesting how in some cultures, you know, things are so easily and readily accepted and others, they're so rejected outright. Sure. You know. Yeah.
1: And I think it's hard for us, to, at least in the United States, to kind of separate ourselves because you have to look at the roots of the United States and, like, and, like, the, the the religious roots of the United States, right, which was a specific kind of Christianity, and then how, like, the societal responses to stuff in paranormal uh, paranormal uh, phenomena maybe gets its root in that. I think, again, I'm not a religion guy. I don't know stuff about, you know. But I, I imagine that it, a lot of it was, like, a method to explain otherwise
0: unexplainable phenomena, right? So, right. So... Well, in that sense, I was having this conversation with somebody else kind of indirectly. You know, in a sense, in that way, Moose, the paranormal almost, if it's not its own religion, it's a spirituality in a way. Sure. Depending on how you view certain things, Mm -hmm. it could be for some people.
1: Do you think that the paranormal, like the idea – do you think the paranormal, like stuff in general, attracts a certain contrarian mindset? That
0: yes and no.
1: Like, I, I guess I should say it in a better way. Do you think it attracts people that have a generally contrarian mindset? And do you think I would argue that's both a good thing and a bad thing? If it's true,
0: I think that's a complicated question because I think when you think about the paranormal in general, the answer is yes. Um, I think that. you you basically have people with an alternative way of thinking that are maybe anti-establishment in many ways. But then you also have people who come to the paranormal because they've had an experience Mm -hmm. and those people may not fit that mold. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, you know, there are, there are people who are evangelicals who believe they've been abducted by aliens. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there are people who come from all walks of life who have seen or experienced what they believe is a ghost. You know, there's people of every um, background who have experienced like a post death post death dream visitation mm-hmm. or something like that. So I don't think it's that simple. Okay. You know, I think it's I think to a degree, yes. You know, your rank and file person who maybe hasn't experienced something. Who is uh, into this kind of stuff? Probably yes. Uh, has some alternative views and feelings. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You sure. Know? I think there's room for all, all thoughts and processes, and you know, pretty much any movement or belief system. Or
1: have you heard of uh, the book called The Immortality Key?
0: I have, but I I can't place um, it.
1: I believe it's the book that uh and it's done by I believe the guy is uh, i'm gonna I'm looking it up right now um he's like a legit archaeologist I think okay and he basically sounds familiar he basically made this connection brian c mur murescu mur- the immortality key the secret history of the religion with no name and maybe that's not what I'm thinking of but basically it talks about the effects of
0: like potential potential effects of psilocybin on like uh, mm, christianity yes okay i didn't know about the christianity part but i i now that you say the psilocybin that that does
1: yeah and basically how it like so they what they what i think he was able to prove was that in a a, a part of greece that otherwise maybe it's not greece maybe it's spain but basically they found proof that certain psilocybin containing agents were utilized in ritual mm-hmm. that then also could potent like they were able to connect its use to uh, christianity in that location mm-hmm. and i guess i just want to get your thoughts on that because i think that also ties into stuff like this i wonder how much of i wonder how much of so because an established religion right generally drugs are a big no-no, right? Any sort of altering substance is a no-no, but I wonder how much of it was uh, initially created with such agents and how much like UFO and other paranormal phenomena is tied to that.
0: Yeah. So that's a really interesting question. When you go back to the early days of most religions and you get into the mysticism that a lot of people practice, psychoactive substances were a big part of that. And... I think the knee-jerk reaction is to say that makes it not real. Mm -hmm. But what if those substances really do get you in touch with another level of consciousness? Sure. And I know this sounds out there, but when you talk to people who take this kind of stuff, and Mm -hmm. in full disclosure, I've never taken any kind of... Don't mind the cat in the background. (laughs) I've, I've never taken any kind of hallucinogenic or anything like that. But when you read about people who have they report seeing beings and a lot of these beings are similar to greys or Mm -hmm. shadow people or like Mm -hmm. these things that people see Mm -hmm. when they're having a paranormal experience so who's to say that they couldn't have some kind of religious experience and to be clear these aren't like and i know that like
1: uh you were on the same page with this like uh, especially recently, there's been a lot of research into psilocybin use for, like, PTSD. Mm-hmm. And the, it, when you read about their accounts, it, they sound very similar to, like, a lot of the religious accounts. Yeah. that Or not religious accounts, but accounts of people in religion. And I'm not saying anything specific. Right. I think this is a hard conversation, too, because I think some... And, again, I don't know what I don't know, but, like, sometimes there's... It feels that sometimes if people even acknowledge stuff like this, it... People believe that it risks invalidating the theological basis that they operate off of, which is not good, you know, to them. But maybe it's a way of evaluating the human experience when it comes to religion. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, like does is the does the UFO not exist just because you perceived it under the influence? Maybe, maybe it does exist because you were under the influence and you got you tapped into something that otherwise you don't have the sense and perception to be able to do so.
0: Well, you know. I, you certainly have people who see UFOs and ghosts and Bigfoot and whatever when they're under the influence of this kind of stuff, but you have a lot more people who see it when they're not. Oh, yeah. You know? And people that, to be clear,
1: are not allowed to, like, literally, like, I'm talking David Fravor level of, like, their job does not allow them to partake. Right. And, like, literally, they're, if they were even, you know what I mean? And the... the and I I don't know if we've talked about the David Fravor incident. We did, we did. Okay, yeah, but that I mean, they weren't under the influence of anything, and they saw something.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's all very very fascinating, you know. And I I don't want to get into like a whole theological yeah thing or or whatever. Um, we're just kind of seeing where this conversation goes today. Yeah, but there's in in my humble spiritual opinion, a whole nother plane of existence out there. Sure. Where, you know, we have religion to try to explain it and explain it to us. But what's that Shakespeare quote? You know, there's more wonders in heaven than earth or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, we we have no idea what else is is out there on other dimensions or other – Spiritual planes, or you know, you can uh, you can ascribe to a religion, but that doesn't necessarily tell you every little detail of what's going on.
1: So you know my big I mean? thing
0: is we. Uh, so I maybe I've talked about this
1: before on here, but so we have a nervous system that's able to input. Uh, you know, it gets input from sensors. It's able to integrate it, right, and then it's able to put output. But the fact of the matter is, it can only sensors can only pick up stimulus for their specific type of sensor right so for example you know we have the five senses right we can only perceive the things that are align with the 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 stimulus of the, our senses so how do we how can you say that there is nothing outside of those five Senses if you don't even have the you, the the stuff to be able to sense or not sense, you know what I mean. So yeah. if we can't perceive something, and we know that stuff like that exists, right? Um, uh,
0: Ultraviolet light and infrared light,
1: yeah, or uh, the magnetic, um, you know, like the magnetic uh, poles and spheres for various animals that migrate. Like, so we know for a fact that like perception exists of things that we know, like pheno- natural phenomena that exists that we don't have the, that humans don't have the perception to receive, but other animals are. Why doesn't the second order thing also exist where there's things that we don't know that we don't know, right? Because we haven't been able to categorize it. And, uh, you know, we, we don't know it exists. I I was, it's interesting. I had a conversation with, um, Uh, So this past week or a couple weeks ago, I spent a week in Monterey in an educational program that I'm in. And um, I had a conversation with a couple guys there about this actual very same topic. And to summarize, I think what the gentleman was saying was – I think he was taking the skeptic's argument of we know that we have a good understanding of our physical reality now, right? And to that I say – true compared to 300 years ago we now have a a, what we believe is to be a really good understanding of our physical reality of our universe and its laws that you know govern it right the physical laws that govern it and we're reaching the precipice of that right however we also understand that once we get to this super minute level of quantum physics we don't really know what we don't and also full disclosure i'm not a physics guy i just you know i'm just quoting what this guy was saying or paraphrasing what if there is a dimension outside of that right that we aren't aware of yet 200 years ago uh, i don't think that they would have been able to conceptualize or the majority of folks would not have been able to conceptualize uh the scientific realities that we know today until they were discovered right uh so what if the same is true for uh things that we'll know 200 years from now I would look to the, the, the naysayers and the contrarians in the world, in the in the theaters of physics and, uh, you know, the, the world of physics and see what the contrarians are saying and look f- there for solutions.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, you get into the, to things like multiverse theory and quantum theory and these sure. things are, are just emerging. And uh, I think we're really looking at, some cool stuff coming out you know Mm -hmm. if not in our lifetime then in our children's you know sure Um, absolutely there's there's a lot that we don't understand um i mean you think about einstein uh, lived going on a hundred years ago now Mm -hmm. and we're just starting to i believe prove some of the stuff he said and we still haven't proved everything he said you know so who knows how long it'll take the theories that we have now to either be shown to be correct or not
1: do we have we talked about bob lazar
0: we have not
1: uh what are your would thoughts you like on bob Lazar? <laughs> well because think about it like a lot of the stuff that he says has i guess somehow some of it has turned out to be true yeah
0: so i don't know i i would have to refresh myself a little bit with some of the stuff you said but um for those who don't know bob lazar claims to have worked on or at a site near to area 51 and uh, he talked about the craft they had there. He talked about he, th- he talked about the craft they had there. Um, he talked about a certain element that they had there uh, that at the time he talked about it did not exist. It has since been discovered. It, it is not a stable element. Like I said, I didn't prepare for this, so I couldn't tell you. I think it's like one eighteen. But it's not a stable element, which doesn't mean that we couldn't find a isotope of it or a form of it that would would not be you know would be stable. That could happen. Um, but as of right now, it's not a stable isotope. But that's that's essentially him in a nutshell. And Moose is is he also the guy who does uh, the CE five like psychic connection to the ETs thing? Is I don't that- even know what that is. Okay, I think that is him. I could be wrong. I could be confusing him with Stephen Greer. So it's
1: interesting. I Wikipedia him, and Wikipedia is everything I said
0: wrong. Am I th- no, 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 him no, no? Okay.
1: I'm just gonna read this off Wikipedia. Uh, whoever wrote this has to at least has, a, I think, a, a some sort of negative bias against him. I
0: think everything I just said was Stephen Greer. You you were talking about reverse engineering extra and like Element 115 and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, that's him. Okay. Uh,
1: uh so. Robert Scott Lazar is an American conspiracy theorist who claims to have been hired in the late 1980s to reverse engineer extraterrestrial technology. At what he described as a secret site called S-4, he alleges that his subsidiary installation is located, oh, sorry, he alleges that this subsidiary installation is located several kilometers south of the United States Air Force facility, popularly known as Area 51. Lazar claims he examined an alien aircraft that ran on an antimatter reactor powered by Element 115, which at the time has not yet been synthesized. He also claims to have read U.S. government briefing documents that described alien involvement in human affairs over the past 10,000 years. His claims brought additional public attention to Area 51 and fueled conspiracy theories surrounding its classified activities. Lazar has no evidence to support his core claim of alien technology. His story has been analyzed and rejected by skeptics and some ufologists, universities from which he claimed to hold degrees show no record of him and supposed former workplaces have disavowed him. In 1990, he was convicted for his involvement in a prostitution ring again in 2006 for selling illegal chemicals. The fact that this is worded so negatively on Wikipedia makes me believe him more.
0: I know, me too. Um, I mean, it's like they set him up, you know? Yeah. Uh, And also, by the way, I'm going to give myself a B plus for my explanation of Bob (laughs) Lazar based off the top of my head. But yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing with a lot of these guys is they're set up, maybe not set up, but they're there's there's a, a a what's the word I'm looking for? They paint him with a bad brush. Like sure. they try and make these guys look bad. D- they're trying to discredit them. The, that's the word I'm looking sure. for. They're trying to discredit him. There are multiple people like this out there. Um, there was a guy. Oh my goodness, um, what was his name? I don't. We haven't talked about this before, but there was a guy who found out. A, like, and this is just the kind of thing the government does. He found – I wish I could remember his name. Kind of Google this as I'm talking about. He found out about some top secret U.S. aircraft. Um, He was taking pictures of them as they flew over his house. He lived near a military base. And um, he was intercepting transmissions from this military base that he believed were alien signals. Well, they weren't. They were top-secret U.S. codes. Mm -hmm. So the intelligence officials at this Air Force base started making – I think his name was was Bob or Robert something. They started making him think that he was uh, actually intercepting alien signals and seeing UFOs. And they essentially made him go crazy, and they got him to kill himself. And they admitted their involvement in this. And really? they said that it I wasn't their intention anything, huh? to... Uh, Bob... It's like a Polish name, I think. Shoot, this is going to bother me now. Berkowitz, maybe? Bob Berkowitz? Robert Berkowitz? If I get this right, I'm buying myself ice cream. That,
1: that is an American journalist, according to Wikipedia. All right. Albuquerque Drive. I want to talk about that. Have we talked about that yet? What is it? The Albuquerque Drive? The Albuquerque Warp Drive? No, we it's, have not. Yeah. It uh yeah, what we we should talk about that in this episode. Uh yeah, so anyway, go uh, ahead and talk. Uh, I'm uh, gonna
0: I'm gonna try and Google uh, this guy.
1: Sure. Yeah, so uh, I I never like when the establishment bucks so heavily against a guy.
0: No, it's always a red flag. Red flag. Especially when
1: like officials do it. Cause like I so I'm just gonna, you know, Google Bob Lazar, right? What are the top things that come up? Um so description about him, right? Robert Scott, that was the Wikipedia description. Uh, movies and then Bob Lazar Wikipedia page I don't know who Joy White is you know who Joy White is that's the number one person that comes up associated with him oh, oh Bob Lazar's wife interesting and then Jeremy the the bearded guy who Corbell I know you don't like them right um, uh,
0: I don't really have an issue with Jeremy Corbell oh really okay
1: no. um, and then the Amazon page an IMDb page and the next is uh, ah. UFO hoaxer <laughs>
0: i got it yeah paul
1: benowitz paul benowitz All right. that's
0: what it is i'm gonna google
1: him. american businessman here we go Benowitz uh, was an American businessman and UFO investigator. He was the son of st- Oh, okay. Uh, Benowitz claimed the existence of a plot involving an extensive network of UFO bases tied to an alien organiza- colonization and control scheme to subjugate the human race. After he saw the hypnosis sessions of Mar- Myrna Hansen, who claimed to have UFO experiences, he became convinced that cattle mutilations were due to aliens. As a result, side note, did you see the recent, like literally last week, cattle mutil- mutilation no. case in Oregon? I no. thought I said I didn't send it to you? I don't think I usually, so. like, so Reddit knows that when I'm sharing something off Reddit, you're the number one guy, <laughs> so it just suggests <laughs> you. Um, but yeah, so, as a result, uh, Benowitz claimed to have uncovered evidence of aliens controlling humans through electromagnetic devices and furthermore claimed that UFOs were regularly flying near KURT, Kirtland Air Force Base and the nearby Manzano Nuclear Weapons Storage Facility in Coyote Canyon Test Area. Convinced that he was intercepting electronic communications originating from alien spacecraft located outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, Benowitz soon believed that he had located a secret alien facility that he called Dulce Bay- uh, Base. By 1982, Benefits be- uh, Benowitz began to spread his ideas regarding Dulce, Dulce Base, to, Dulce base uh, to others in the UFO- UFOlogy community. In 1988, he wrote a paper entitled Project Beta detailing how the base might be successfully attacked. Oh, that's, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. No. Uh, Benowitz details assertions to the aerial phenomena research app pro. Yeah, I, I, I don't know who they are. Who regarded him as a deluded paranoid. UFOlogist William Moore claimed that he tried to push Benowitz, who had been in a mental health facility on three occasions after suffering severe delusional paranoia, into a mental breakdown by feeding him false information about aliens. In 1988, his family checked him into a psychiatric facility. Former special agent for the United States Air Force Office of Special Investigations, Richard Doty claimed that in the 1980s, he was taxed with hoaxing documents and feeding false information to UFO researchers, including Benowitz. Benowitz died in on june 23rd 2003 and he's buried at santa fe national cemetery wow
0: yeah so basically this guy was probably significantly mentally ill and the air force was making stuff up to feed him disinformation and sure It just pushed him further into his delusions and paranoia
1: so uh huff post so there's a interesting thing so the title is ex-air force law enforcement agent says he hoaxed major ufo mythologies Richard Doughty claims that, the, that while he was a special agent for the U.S. Air Force Office of Special Investigations, he was tasked with hoaxing documents and feeding false information to UFO researchers. The Air Force refused to comment on whether they knew of his activities or whether he, his claims of partaking in this activity are, are at, at the behest of his superiors is accurate. Interesting.
0: Yeah, so he's an interesting character. I've heard several interviews with him on other Richard podcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and he kind of says he's reformed now and he's fighting for the truth and that this stuff is real. But how can you ever trust a guy who is a avowed disinformation agent? Mm. You know, interesting. Like, could he could he be telling the truth? Yes. Yeah. Um, but could he also be continuing to be a disinformation guy? Interesting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And he'll never come on our podcast. We're not cool enough, so we can, we can talk about him a little the bit. The documents also
1: state that two U.S. senators from New Mexico had called or, or shown up at Kirtland to check the AFOSI's investigation of Benowitz and his ET contacts. Apparently, Benowitz had sought their help. Both times, the senators were told there was no investigation. That's interesting, though. Yeah. That really goes into a world... That, that's like a whole other, like... That's a whole other world, man. Isn't it? they like... I don't even... Like, how do you even... Like, how do you even, like, I'm not saying I believe Bob Lazar I don't believe Bob Lazar, but I feel like anytime there's a direct effort to discredit somebody that much, right. what's the motivation?
0: Well, and and why, I mean, certainly we see it with the government and UFOs, but we we really see it. A lot with a lot of paranormal topics from various Mm -hmm. different groups you know not necessarily just the government it may be the government it may be a religious organization it may just be the media what's the like what does it what does it hurt if if moose thinks he saw a ufo Mm -hmm. how does that hurt anybody if ken thinks he saw a ghost what does it matter to anybody else so is there a threat to the current establishment that's what i'm thinking I'm thinking that somehow there's an idea that these beliefs exist threaten certain establishments. Yes. I think there's a worry that it undermines the power. And I don't know if it's as simple as if there are UFOs, then there are aliens, and that means that the government is not all powerful and it can't do everything or what it is. So let me, let me put a spin on it then. How does the recent disclosure
1: and basically, you know, UAP, un- unidentified era phenomena, the recent admission of the Pentagon or whoever that says they exist, is that what if that is a misinformation thing to say to maybe potentially have another angle to boast or like the current military industrial complex?
0: It may very well be. You know, it, it may very well be. You know the and I, th- I think we touched on this in, in one of our previous bonus episodes, but I, I think the possibilities are either that they've just decided to become honest, which I don't think is mm-hmm. the correct answer, that there's something coming that they can't hide, and they know it, or there's a certain amount of pressure there to, to release something for some reason along that vein, or this is just a ploy to get more money. And that could very well be the case. And when you look at what's happened with the disclosure movement in the government, you know, um, a bill was passed through Congress to create a UAP study office, right? Mm -hmm. Well, right before that passed, the Pentagon said, hey, we're going to create our own UAP study office. And then they kind of absorbed Congress's thing. And now they're saying that, well, a lot of this is going to be classified and we can't put it out. So instead of this transparent uap office that we were supposed to have it's going to be another black program essentially hmm. why do you think that is just because, because there's something the to hide yeah there's something to hide they're controlling the narrative
1: let me ask you this where does interpersonal dynamics and all the other things like that we know exist between like
0: egos and stuff where does that fall into it that becomes a question of who knows what
1: Yeah, you know, because we know that um, in any like bureaucracy, there's like information silos, there's turf wars, or people are worried that their job may be invalidated. So where does all that come into? Because we, I mean, we all know the government is, you know, a bunch of bureaucracies, right? (laughs) That just,
0: yeah. I I mean, I think you you look at um, look at these organizations. It's it's so hard to say who knows what. I, I think that everybody who knows anything probably thinks are in charge of their own little fiefdom to borrow your term from our last podcast mm-hmm. um that we just did they all have their own little fiefdom and no one wants to share anything it's like the intelligence agency failures during 9-11 mm, you know yeah people, yeah, yeah people knew stuff people knew a lot of stuff but nobody had the whole picture because nobody wanted to share what they had. Well, no one wanted to collaborate. There was the wall. Right. The wall of information
1: that was oh man, I uh, the Looming Tower. Uh right. that tremendous book and then I'm making my way through uh, Ali Sufan's black banners. But he talks but he talks about it. Uh they talk about these um the the wall that like a criminal investigation, the information from that couldn't you know, move on to the intelligence side of things because yeah, they had different goals and all right. the bureaucratic structures yeah dude i i i I mean i again i know that historically i've been like the skeptic on the show but i can't help but think that a lot of it is uh, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is not immune to the the general fallacies of the people that are a part of it oh yeah um my question is who does it benefit like we we just talked about like the military industrial complex but like who does it benefit that like
0: Any any of this that
1: we've talked about. So
0: there are a few ideas on that that I'll throw out there. Mm -hmm. And part of the question, again, is who has what information. Um, Number one, there's the the human nature of power. Mm. I have this information. Only I know it. I have the power. Uh, I think that's a a very valid component. Uh, Number two you may have people who think that it's not necessarily that it's benefiting anyone, but society will collapse if they release it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a thought number three. And I have heard this in a lot of UFO podcasts and stuff like that, that there is a very strong evangelical Christian wing in the U S military. And they firmly believe that the whole idea of UFOs and aliens is demonic. And they mm. ref, they refuse to engage with it, and they refuse to discuss it. And that is a major because they feel up. the very act of it is a transgression on their religious beliefs. Yes, or uh, mm, interesting. So I have heard that. Um, and then if you really want to get into the crazy theories about it, you know, there's the idea that the government has deals with whoever these things are, which I don't really think is the case. Personally, I think the the reality of it is there's a huge fear of the information getting out because if any of it is true, especially if you start getting into like abductions and stuff like that, the government is completely useless and inept at protecting us from whatever these things are, wherever they're from, whether they're aliens or interdimensional or they're demonic. Mm. It doesn't matter. The Mm. government can't protect you. And what, what will that do to society? Mm. Interesting.
1: What are other examples of, uh, I feel, I'm sure there are examples of where the government tried to control the narrative, failed, and then ended up being honest. I mean, the the, the experiments, the Tuskegee experiments.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Tuskegee experiments. Because, um. see, I, I, I hate to
1: say it, but I, I, no, I don't hate to say it. My honest feeling is that whenever there's a problem in like governance or society, I always look to the, the people first because they, I feel like – everything has at least a touch of somebody messing something up, Mm -hmm. you know? And like human incompetence as like a major source. So like, or like just mixed motivations or unclear, you know, like the, you know, the evil that was the, you know, the, the testing on people that didn't know. Right. Like somewhere along the line, the motivation was, oh, let's study something that have good outcomes. And then we, they went very wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Where uh, does a similar vein go to, hey, let's not disclose this information because it's going to cause harm, and does that lead to something else that's, like, really bad?
0: Well, and part of it, too, To I mean, you have to consider this angle, too. Let's say you, – now, you have to put yourself in the mindset of the American military and civilian leadership of yeah, 1947. Yeah, sure. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's 1947. World War II has just ended. The Cold War is just about to begin. We find out a UFO has crashed, and and we maybe even recover a couple bodies from it. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tell anybody, right? Like this is going to sure. create all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. So all kinds of panic. Mm-hmm. So we cover it up. Because it's 1940, and we're protecting the people, and they can't handle it. We might actually think it's Russians. We might think it's Russians. Sure. 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 Maybe it's the Soviets. So we cover it up. And we keep covering it up. And we find more things, and we see more things, and we encounter more things. And now we know this is real. Mm -hmm. But now we've been covering it up for 80, 90 years. And that's how we've always done it. And that's a huge thing in general with people. And... Now what are we going to go tell the American people that for almost a hundred years we've been lying to them and we've known about this? Mm-hmm. And now what happens to our credibility? Yeah.
1: So we just say because we're short sighted. Short sighted. We just say. We just say. We'll just let the next people handle it.
0: Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I. You know. I don't. And I'm not saying that's all of the issue, but I think that may be part of the issue. Mm-hmm. Sure. Musa's fiance just pointed out, "What if the government has uh, doesn't know? What if the government doesn't know as much as we think they know, and they don't want to admit that they think that they don't know what's going on?" Which I think kind of you know backs up you know the idea of what if they're afraid for people to realize they're not control.
1: Yeah, they lose the confidence in the government structures.
0: Yeah, you know I think I think that's a really key part of all of this. What if someone's making money off of it? That's very legitimate too. What if
1: there's like industry secrets that we don't even know are happening right now, and they don't want to? W- w- yeah. What if they? What if losing? What if losing the uh, the privileged information ends up making people lose money?
0: Yeah, that could be. That could be. Because you
1: know? right next to human error, I always think people are greedy. And you're right, they are. That's interesting, because then all that motivates people to build on Bob arm Mark.
0: Yep. Yep. You know, what's what's going on at Lockheed Martin, man? We don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, any of that. I mean, uh, and I like to say, I, I really like to think that we spend more on national security than, what is it, all next con- like however many nations combined. Right. But I think we also benefit from that, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, hate to say, I mean, of course we do. Sure. Right? I mean, look at the current geopolitical situation. I, I like to think, at least maybe I'm naive, but I think we definitely benefit a bit from that as like u.s citizens being protected right but at the same time what's going on in like the compartmentalized worlds of whatever research and what are the negative negative ramifications right i don't know what do you think uh where do you think this goes next
0: i felt like we were making progress and i really feel like we've stalled you know i feel like nothing's happening now um
1: you know, what I think, I think the disclosure stuff was meant to be a distraction
0: from COVID and it failed. Maybe. Or maybe COVID was a distraction from, co- from uh, disclosure. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm afraid that what's going to happen is we're going to get back into the past 50 years of nothing. That's, that's honestly my fear at this point is that nothing else is going to happen in our lifetime. And I could be wrong. And there's still going to be plenty of books to read and podcasts to listen to and movies to watch and documentaries and whatever else. Um, there's people fighting for it. What's you your know? definition of success in the next 50 years? Success in the next 50 years. Truly the only success on, – we're talking about the UFO-UAP topic, I assume. Sure. yep. The only definition of success in the next 50 years for me would be a, a full disclosure of – either we truly have no idea what's happening here's everything that we've ever researched on it that's not immediately harmful to national defense or you know the the disclosure basically the disclosure of whatever they know would be success whether that's their little green people from mars that come and visit us or their little gray people from zeta reticuli or they're from another dimension or we just don't know.
1: Are do you? But don't you think that? Not, but uh, I don't mean to say it that way. But like, do you think that at least part of the community is so jaded that even if we got the perfect answers that we wanted, there would be a majority of the population that would say, "Okay, but."
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I know I would. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's true in in every community. You know, we're we're talking about a, you know certain career path in our last our other podcast and if you offered everybody in that career field a twenty thousand dollar raise paid holidays twenty percent more vacation whatever else you'd still have people that complained Mm -hmm. you know and that's not a, a knock against them it's just the reality if you offer if you offer people things they're just gonna some it's not gonna be good enough for someone always I really think that you, you made a really good point of the
1: 1940-whatever leadership because look at it now. The, the current geopolitical uh, conversation can't be had without the conversation of nuclear warheads. Right. And if there's the, the objective reality that there's being there's nukes that are being turned off by UFOs, you know, that's pretty bad. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that would be, oh, but that's like, right. you know what I mean? That's kind of concern. I would imagine that that's not good. Right. You don't want to tell the people you're governing that, oh, our most potent weapons in this, like, War can just be turned off by something we don't know what it is. Right.
0: Yeah, and that's a really big point to me is UFOs over nuclear facilities. You know, that's always been a, a big interest to me. So yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I've just always found that fascinating.
1: So our next episode, we should talk about the Alc- Alcubierre drive. Okay. I just want to read this real quick. So the Alcubierre, Alcubierre drive is a speculative warp drive idea based on a solution of Einstein's field equations in general relativity as proposed by theoretical physicist Miguel Alcubierre during his PhD study at the University of Wales, Cardiff, by which a spacecraft could achieve apparent faster-than-light travel if a configurable configurable energy density field lower than that of vacuum, that is, negative mass, could be created. Rather than exceeding the speed of light within a local reference frame, a spacecraft would traverse distances by contracting space in front of it and expanding space behind it. Resulting in effective faster than light travel. Objects cannot accelerate to the speed of light within normal space time. Instead, the Alcubierre drive shifts space around an object so that the objects would arrive at its destination more quickly than light would in normal space without breaking any physical laws.
0: It's very interesting. We'll yeah. have to talk we about that. We should definitely, that.
1: yeah. Um, and this was a recent thing. 1994 is when the sky came up with this idea. Okay. So I think that should be a conversation we should have next time.
0: I agree. I think we should schedule some more conversations like this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think that was a good discussion. I have no idea what I'm going to title this because it was just a bunch of random stuff. But yeah, any uh, any last thoughts, Moose? Humans are incompetent. Humans are incompetent. That's true. Well, thank you everybody for listening to Spectral Phenomena. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, we've got a website coming soon uh, and we will talk to you soon. Have a safe night. Thank you for all of us at Spectral Phenomena.